Good morning. Although my friend Stephen lives in Florida and has never tasted ears picked fresh from their Iowa fields, he claims to love eating steamy, buttery sweet corn. On the cob, of course. After he has consumed the tasty kernels, Stephen, like most of us do, throws the cob away, believing it has served its purpose. My friend is Stephen Sapp, Presbyterian minister and professor of religious studies at the University of Miami. Through the lens of studying dementia for over 25 years, Stephen shared this metaphor about corn with me while discussing whether and how our culture values elders, particularly elders and other persons with dementia whose potential is presumably used up. A quick review of the history of corn reveals that this plant does not occur naturally. It was first cultivated from wild grass over 7,000 years ago by natives living in Mexico. Since then, corn has accompanied people migrating throughout the world and has been cultivated into numerous varieties. Throughout the centuries, thousands of uses for corn kernels, which are the seeds of the plant, have been discovered. These include farm animal feed, pet food antibiotics, baby food condensed milk, sweetener for fruit juices, food starch, peanut butter, flour, alcohol, and even textile products. Until recently, when it was discovered that the cellulose biomass, also known as corn stalks, husks, and cobs, could be converted into ethanol fuel, they were considered useless and they were discarded. It took humans almost 7,000 years to discover that corn stalks, husks, and cobs still have value even after they have completed their primary role, which is to aid in the production of corn kernels. Unfortunately, many in our society tend to assume that persons with Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia that manifest cognitive decline have little to no potential, that in their diminishment, they have nothing more to give. Based on what we know about this disease and the observations we may make with what the Hebrew prophet Ezekiel described as eyes to see but do not see and ears to hear but do not hear, we could erroneously conclude that the potential of people with Alzheimer's is all used up. Because our society tends to devalue things and beings that do not readily reveal their own potential, we could be tempted to shut away, discard, or ignore this population of people. Almost 3,000 years ago, the Hebrew prophet Isaiah responded to a call from his God and encouraged people to see 
in new and different ways, and thus turn and be healed. This call is coming to us again today. It has taken 7,000 years and counting for the value of corn kernels and the potential value of its cellulose biomass to be revealed. From a theological perspective, one sees that the God-given potential was there all along, waiting, waiting to be recognized by human eyes. The corn and its biomass did not have the, the capacity to reveal its own value. In order to see this hidden potential, people actually had to be looking for it. Most recently, people were desperately looking because our whole world really needs alternate forms of fuel. It's not the corn's fault that it has taken so long for more of its worth to be discovered. It's not exactly humanity's fault either. It took evolutionary time for science and technology to develop the capacity for recognizing and harvesting the fullness of the corn's potential. But most importantly, the realization had to dawn on the human mind that we need all of what the corn has to offer. This kind of realization is often an inspiration for inquiry and ultimately discovery. So it is with discovering the value of individuals with Alzheimer's and dementia. Our whole world needs to see the still hidden potential of these individuals. It is up to us those who know and love people with dementia to bring forth all of their value for the rest of the world to see. How do we do this? How do we go about seeing their true value through vision blurred by tears and heartache over the losses we are all experiencing? How do we do this? Author and spiritual guide Deborah Farrington offers a possibility. She suggests that art, paintings, drama, music, can widen and deepen our perspectives and help us see the world in fresh new ways. Sue Bender, author of the book Everyday Sacred, illustrates Farrington's point about art in a compelling way. Sue's friend, artist Gail Antical, teaches a class called the 100 Drawings Project. Her students each take a single ordinary object and draw it 100 times. One year, Gail joined the class in this project, choosing a white enamel kitchen pot as her object. According to Bender, making 100 drawings of the same object forced Gail to find newness, new techniques, new materials, new ways to work. It forced her to take risks 
and exceed limits. After witnessing her friend bestow this most ordinary object with meaning, Bender reached this conclusion. If there are a hundred ways for seeing an ordinary white pot, imagine all the possibilities for viewing with fresh eyes an average child, an average marriage, persons with dementia and Alzheimer's. When many in our families and our society look with ordinary eyes at a person with Alzheimer's, they see someone whose purpose and potential are over. Many see a drain on the energy of caregivers and the dwindling of family and social resources. Others see an empty shell, believing that memory and reason and the ability to make an active, intentional contribution to society are the defining features of what it means to be a person. If they were to turn and look closely at persons with Alzheimer's through fresh eyes, they might be surprised by the potential these dear ones still have. Through my eyes, I can see clearly that people with Alzheimer's still have the potential to inspire us, teach us, love us, heal us, amuse us, befriend us, calm us, touch us, energize us, enlighten us, empower us, forgive us, nurture us, open our hearts, bring out the best in us, and bring meaning and purpose into our lives. We may be surprised to realize that persons with Alzheimer's still have the capacity to show us how to be humble and trusting and courageous and receptive, how to be authentically ourselves in this present moment, how to be guileless and innocent. We may be surprised to discover that if we look beneath memory loss and the inability to reason or care for themselves, persons with Alzheimer's can reveal to us the true value of life, theirs and ours. In their ability to freely receive and give love, they reveal to us the truth about what it means to be a human being. In 2007, after family members have moved away from my hometown of Dubuque, Iowa, my mother, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's six years earlier, was alone there in a nursing home. As I was making plans to move from Boston to Iowa to care for mom, well-meaning friends and colleagues said to me, I can't believe that you would even consider disrupting your life and move a thousand miles away to take care of a person who doesn't even remember you. I replied, 
Well, I still remember who she is. And who she is needs me now more than ever before. However, as I spent more time with mom and her neighbors in the nursing home, I began to question the premise that people with Alzheimer's do not remember their loved ones. Through my eyes, I witnessed the nursing home residents with dementia reacting when their children, siblings, spouses, friends, and cherished caregivers came for visits. As soon as they noticed their loved ones approaching, smiles could burst out on their faces, or a corner of their mouth could slightly curl. Their eyes could light up. Their hands could reach out. Peggy was my mom's next-door neighbor. Her husband had been away for the winter, and although they spoke on the phone, she had not seen him for six months. The first day he returned, he respectfully greeted her, asking if he could hug her. She hesitated, but then she cautiously agreed. Then he took her out for lunch. When they returned, he kissed her goodbye and left her at the nurse's station. With a dreamy gleam in her eye, resembling a teenager in love, she shouted out to everyone, I'm going to marry that man! She did not remember that he was already her husband. But something in her recognized that they belonged together. Perhaps her spirit recognized his spirit. That's what I felt was happening with mom and me. One day, shortly after I moved, I came into mom's room and she stopped what she was doing. She looked at me, really looked at me. Then she said, you, you, it's you. It was a moment of pure recognition and belonging, even if she was not completely sure about the relationship between us. My mom's diagnosis and her predictable decline called for me to overcome my fearful reactions about Alzheimer's and to become my best self. Alzheimer's disease challenged me mightily and stirred up plenty of uncomfortable feelings. But I chose to go very close to this illness and to stay with my mom forever. The result of those choices became an unexpected and precious love story that will be mine for the rest of my life. Martin Luther King Jr., who we remember and honor with a national holiday tomorrow, is most often recognized as a civil rights activist social reformer and martyr for his cause of racial justice. But first and foremost, Reverend 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Baptist pastor and preacher. Throughout his ministry, King spoke about love, love for neighbors, love for those who are different, love for the least of us. He spoke of love as the highest good, the ultimate reality, and the supreme unifying principle of life. My friend and colleague, UU Minister Reverend Carl Scovell, journeyed through Alzheimer's disease for over 10 years with his mother, Myra. His journey, like mine, became a discovery of the kind of love King spoke about, the supreme unifying principle of life. Before Myra's illness, Carl and his mother had a cordial relationship, but never a close one. During Myra's long illness, Carl was surprised to be able to experience deep pleasure, deep affection, and deep intimacy in her presence like never before. He talked warmly with her. He read to her, prayed with her, hugged her, put his cheek close to her cheek, called her little mother, and when he fed her, he always gave her the ice cream first. Carl felt the love he was giving to his mother. Mom's diminishment, he said, was a call to me, a call I could not say no to. It called me out of my limited focus on myself and my work and my immediate family. It was literally a call to love. Through her journey through Alzheimer's, Carl continued, invoking an image from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, my mom taught me to widen my heart. This disease had given Carl the opportunity to show his mother the love he felt he never received from her. And he said yes to this opportunity. Carl realized and told me, by loving her, really loving her, I healed myself. To all you who have ears to hear and eyes to see, open wide your hearts to our family member, members and friends with Alzheimer's. See them with the fresh eyes of one who seeks God, the ultimate reality. Turn to them, my friends. Love them. Turn and be healed and discover value beyond measure. May it be so. Amen. <laughs>